One of the exciting realities of when I first met Jesus was I was able to finally step away from having to constantly live with a sin management program. <laughs> a sin management program where I had constantly had to keep all these checks and balances in place, where I had to kind of, I got set free from having to prove myself to God. I got set free from pro- having to prove myself to myself. And I got set free from having to prove myself to others. It was like I got set free by the grace of God to live a whole new life in the resurrection of Jesus. And so my whole life went from being one of sin management and containment to one where I was completely renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And John talks about this in John's Gospel, about being born again. And over the last few months here at the Vineyard, the Holy Spirit's had us just gently working away, chipping away at this conversation piece of what does it really mean to partner with God, not just externally and functionally, but what does it mean to partner with the work of the living God who now lives and rules in our hearts as we've invited him to be king? And what's the dynamic of partnering there and moving away from just trying to be good people to actually living as, as if we are fully flourishing human beings alive because of the love of God. And it's a really exciting conversation that God's having with so many of us in this room as a local church. And it's an exciting conversation that God's having with us as a movement of people as well. But this morning, I want to touch on just small, three small things. Well, just they're not small, but three points I want to touch on this morning of what it means to truly live alive to God. Paul talks about this, and one of the beautiful things about watching some of those that video footage of the baptisms earlier, Paul talks about how God has, um, through Christ, we've been buried with him and raised with him that we might live a new life. Not, not, not maintain an existing life, not contain what was, but that through our faith in thanksgiving for the gift of God to us in Jesus Christ who saves us, he, he's done it all, our response is one of thanksgiving and we place our faith in him. But in doing that, we by faith, even as we saw it in that little baptismal video, we, we enter into the death of Jesus. And even as, you know, we saw those pictures of people going under the water, they were being by faith actually buried with the reality of what Jesus did in that moment, that spiritually there was a transaction taking place. And it's not a spiritual transaction that takes place in the, in the water that someday we'll wait until we get to heaven to get the benefits of what takes place in the water but that by faith we actually come up out of the water as a new creation, born again, faith in God, alive to him. So our orientation in life from the very core of who we are, and we've kind of touched on this a a, a few times, we've kind of touched on this a few times with this little illustration here of how we are born again in the spirit, in our heart, in the core of who we are. And then the work and the joy of living from that place in God, alive in us, we now begin to live into all of the other places of our being, in our mind. It begins to think like Jesus wants to think. It begins to look with, with, our, with our, um, 
our emotions, our emotional intelligence goes from one of being, you know, consumed with ourselves to one that actually becomes healthy and alive and life-giving. Our capacity to, to love people, to see people like God sees people. All of that starts to take on transformation. And that's because of the, the living reality of God alive in us transforming us, changing us into his likeness. And we've even touched on it a couple of weeks ago about the impact of this reality of God's life in us or, you know, our, even our, the appetites of our flesh begins to be transformed. Where our flesh, you know, historically may have been seeking out appetite satisfaction through all manner of stuff, relationships, um, substances, activities that we would do with our bodies, all of that begins to get impacted by this new life in us as we come alive to God. And one of the beautiful things is the invitation from God is that we would live a new life, not manage an existing one over here while trying to somehow live in this new space. But God actually makes us new. The Christian experience is a living experience of the fullness and the power and the love of a living God, where we get to partner with him. That was that word we've been touching on a few months back, koinonia, fellowship with Jesus, connection with Jesus, conversation with Jesus, and out of who he is, we partner with that transforming work of God. If you've got your Bible with you, can you just quickly open it for me to this there's two scriptures that I want to read. The first one is Romans chapter 6. Now, you should probably, you should all have a Bible with you. If you don't literally have a paper one, you've got your apps, you've got your phones there, you download a Bible, get it on your phone. If you can open your phone, open it to the Bible. The Bible is a good thing to have with you. Romans chapter 6. I just want to read um, from verse 8 through 11 for you. About uh, <clears throat> This is some of Paul's amazing writings here. But verse 8 reads, Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So just the implication of that is that Jesus has come and he has, you know, like, um, John the Baptist said, here comes the Lamb of God to take away and deal with the sin of the world. So Christ has tackled the sin issue. He's, bro- he's conquered the sin issue in a sacrificial sense, and he's also conquered the implications of sin on humanity and our lives by the- overcoming the power of death that was brought about by sin in his resurrection. So Jesus has once and for all, broken the power of sin and death. And now he lives to God. His resurrection, in his resurrection and in his ascension, it is unto the glory of God. And we'll see some more of this in John's Gospel in a minute. In the same way, so now Paul talks to, to, to us as followers of Jesus. He says, now in that same way, as Jesus has done this, in the same way, Count yourself now dead to sin and alive to God. 
So the whole orientation of the follower of Jesus who has come into the kingdom of God and welcomed the work of the Holy Spirit is to have a complete new orientation of our life unto God, not sin management. Now hear me when I say that. I'm not saying sin's not a player. Sure is a player. We still have to contend with that all the time as we're being made new into the likeness of Christ in, in those other areas of our life that I mentioned. We have to deal with that. But what I am saying is that's not our focus now. God's called us to say, hey, keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on me. Look at me is what God's inviting us into. In, in, so in the same way, count yourself dead to sin but alive to God. Have you ever wondered or taken the time to actually review your day and what you've actually been alive to, what you've actually given yourself permission to be alive to? See, you're the, you, you actually have the authority to rule your own soul and your own choices in your own life now because you've been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. You, you, you aren't abandoned to a, um, a loss of power. You actually are saved to an exercising of authority of power over your own self. And it's in that context you give yourself in the course of a day permission to be alive to many things. And I just want to encourage you, maybe tomorrow or maybe even in the course of the rest of today, just, just take note of the things that you're giving yourself a, attention to, that you're living to. Because I, if, if you're like me, there's a lot of things that will come along and I'll want to say, um, give your attention to this. No, I don't want to live to that. <laughs> I want to live to God. Just, just pay attention to those anxieties, those spiritual conversations that you're having, those spiritual battles that you're enduring, and those relationships that you're walking through. Pay attention, be they workplace or personal relationships. Pay attention to what you're giving yourself alive to and living to. John 15, if you've got there. Let's just quickly read John chapter 15. This is... a. a, a John 15 verses, I'm just going to read 1 through to 17. It's a big chunk, but I think we can do it. I am the true vine, my father is the gardener, and he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it may be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. Now, no branch can bear uh, fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. And if a person remains in me and I in them, they'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, they're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. It's to my, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. As the Father's loved me, so I love you. Now remain in my love. 
If you obey my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I've obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy would be in you and that your joy would be complete. (laughs) My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than they lay down their life for their friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. And I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. Everything, for everything I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last then my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Living a life to God. I'm just going to... First thing I want to touch on this morning is trust. I got a hunch of this last week, actually, while we were together, and I got another bit of a, a nudge from the Holy Spirit this morning, actually, while we were worshipping around this area of trust, this invitation from God to be king over our lives. And I got this little nudge from God, and um, and the picture that was coming with that nudge was how... Um, as wonderful as it is to live in Australia and all of the incredible benefits and the generosity of living in such a wealthy nation, a, pa- a place of great peace and provision, um, there comes with our culture, and this is both a, a behavioralism and it's also a spiritual dynamic, but there comes with culture a domestication. And that that domestic impact, what it does for the, to the follower of Jesus is, is it wants to say, you can follow God so long as it fits inside what we think and say. And there comes this domestication of our faith in Jesus. And as a result of that, we, um, we find ourselves struggling to live the life of faith, to live in the kingdom and not in the culture of this world. And we find ourselves trying to fit God into our existence, our great Australian way of life, (laughs) or whatever your personalisation of that life is. And we try it, we say, yes, God, I'll follow, I'll lead, I mean, I'll serve so long as it fits inside this framework. And we've surrendered in the process of that, we've actually surrendered to another power because God has saved us through Christ into his kingship, his rule and reign, his authoring of life and power. We've we've surrendered that and we've said to God, yes, please, but just fit inside my box, not bring me into your box. And, and so that manifests in ways like this. Like even like, um, now I can talk frankly because we're family. 
But even like during the offering this morning, it was like when, when Corey was praying and inviting us to participate in that, it was like I was hearing a million conversations in the room with God right at that one moment. And in that one moment, I was hearing all of these conversations and voices going on. Well, I can't, I can't do that this week. I can't give you that. Because I, I, I can't give you that. When God is saying, please give me that. So we find ourselves just in one area of life. That's just like this morning in this one little area of finance. This, like, and yet it's obviously a big cultural issue for us. Um, but just in that one little moment, there's an issue of like, well, God, I'll give, but so long as it fits inside my framework of what's acceptable and manageable. Whereas God is saying, no, I'm king, trust me, come into where I'm living, follow me into this invitation of giving. Some of you might be sitting in there right now looking at me going, shut up. <laughs> Please just shut up. That's okay. You can, you can be thinking that. Um, but the, the point I'm trying to make is God's inviting you to live a different reality. He's inviting you to live a reality that's defined by the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the lordship of him as God. This is a massive journey of trust and it cuts into every little area of our life. Trust is about our posture towards God. How many of you this week found yourself in a conversation with someone and you had this hunch like, gosh, I feel like God wants me to tell them this. And then you shut it down. And then you shut it down or you shut it off for fear of whatever the context for the fear of loss of relationship, for the fear of whatever, but God saying, hey, step into my reality and would you speak this word to them? Share what I've got for them. It's like we get domesticated, we get shut down, we get framed in. And trust is the reality to be able to first and foremost relinquish Absolute control to the absolute goodness of God. Trust is the reality of relinquishing absolute control of your life to the absolute goodness of God. It's about control, the trust control mechanism. Do we actually believe that God is good? Do we believe he's an all-conquering king? Do we believe he's for us and not against us? These, these you know, biblical truths and it, that we see in the life of Christ that now, who now lives and rules in us is busting to get out of our domestication of him. Jesus is busting to get outside our frameworks of how we've told him he can behave. But he wants to do this with us, not to us. Now, there may be moments of incredible visitation of power that comes from his goodness to enable us to partner with him. 
But this is a relationship, not a silver bullet. God wants to do this with us, not to us. There's a big difference, isn't there? You know when someone's doing something to you <laughs> as to doing some, something with you. God's inviting us into the place of complete trust in of his goodness as father and king. You see, God has won new ground in you and me, so much so that he's poured his spirit into you and me for his good purposes. And he's brought us into the kingdom of the son that he loves. He's brought us into a life of overcoming spiritual powers, of cultural domestication, and to set us free to be a people who live by faith. That is trusting of the goodness of God. Doesn't, I'm not saying life's going to be easy. Don't hear that. That's definitely not what I'm saying. But what I'm talking about is navigating this life in relationship with a good and loving God who is resurrected and ruling and reigning. Dealing with our domestication is a really important part of the journey. And in the kindness of God, as Corey pointed out this morning and, and as Simone led us in worship, in the kindness of God, Jesus tells us in John 15 that he will, the Father will come along and he will prune back the fruitful areas of our life so that they will be even more fruitful. This is the kindness of God. Now, at the time, it may seem like, gosh, Lord, um, that, I, I don't like the feeling of this sense of being pruned back, of being, you know, drawn back into this space. But he's wanting to win and grow victories in us so that we can sustain the fruit that he has destined and prophesied for our life. See, God wants to bring, he wants to bring more fruit than you, can, you or I could ever think or imagine or dream up or the way we could author our life and what we think it should look like. The Father wants to bring even more. And it's a more on the basis of who he is, not what we think he should be about. But the Father wants to bring fruit into our life, more fruit. He wants to invite us into those areas of our life where we think we're like, this is super fruitful, and we're, he's saying, well... Well, hand that, hand that to me again. Let me tend that so that even more fruit can come. Living alive to God is one of trusting a good father, one of relinquished control. And Jesus says it's the father's heart to want to actually make our life even more fruitful, even more fruitful. Living alive to God means abi increased abiding in Jesus. Um, abide in me, Jesus says. Remain in me. I'm the vine, you're the branch. You can't do anything without me. Stay in this place. Let the life of God flow through you. Let your life source be Jesus, not your ability but to be, um, you know, to orchestrate and author a life for yourself. But let the abiding in Jesus shape your life. And abiding sort of manifests in a few ways. 
Just simply put, it manifests like this. If You may have said this before. I want to know you, God. That's the, that's the invitation of Jesus saying, get close to me. Come closer to me. I want to know you, God. I want to know the new me. <laughs> Who am I now that I've been born again? Ephesians 2.10. The workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Who is this new me that God has made? That Jesus is putting his handprints all over and flowing through. And not only that, but the other part of increase or abiding manifests like this. I want to actually be like you, Jesus, to the world. To the world. Not in the world, to the world. To the world. There's, um, I've just, Jesus says, um, this is my command, love each other. It's a great little soundbite, that one, isn't it? <laughs> Good little hashtag. There's a lot in it, though. There is a massive amount in that. Because when we hear that, what we do is we tend to front load that with all of our understanding of what we think love is. We front load that with what we think love is. And, you know, just three little illustrations of what love is. We tend to, we hear that, oh, yeah, love each other. Um, there's the first type of love that we have in, that we've grown up in culturally and home lives and so forth is, and, and even in our very material cultural world, it's just consumer-based love. In other words, you're there, you're there to make me feel better. It's your job to make me happy. And so I'm going to buy into that relationship on the basis that you're going to make me feel happy. And when I don't feel happy, I'm going to stop investing. I'm getting a lot of nods and mm -hmm. I'm hearing a lot of feedback in the room right now. Because this is what we think love is. This is what we've been told love is. This is what our culture and our world says, this is how you love one another. It's a consumeristic thing. And, and, and actually, I'm only ever going to invest in this relationship and love relationship that I have with you to the point that you're making me feel happy. And then after that, I'm actually going to discard you and look for the next thing. And I'm going to spend more time, energy, resources and whatever on getting that next bit of stuff out of a relationship that makes me feel happy. Consumer. Consumer love. That's not what Jesus is talking about. That's not the kind of love Jesus is talking about. The other type of love is contract. Contract love. <laughs> I watched, I don't know, it must have been like this five-minute excerpt. of some, I don't even know what it was. It was on telly the other night about the... Oh, some, it was an advert because someone's about to do an interview with James Packer. Uh, yeah, James Packer. And his relationship with Mariah Carey because they were engaged for a while. Anyway, as part of it, this was a, like a two-minute snap ad thing on television. As a part of it, there was this massive contractual agreement that was on the table before the marriage could happen. And the agreement was that Mariah... She wanted six million a year. 
just to be in a relationship with James. Six million a year. Jesus. Unbelievable. You want to be in a relationship like that? <laughs> it was a contract. It was a contract. Well, I mean, the contract didn't end up getting enacted, did it? But you'll take five. Thanks, Dave. Uh, but it was a, it, the whole idea of I can only be in relationship with you on the basis of this, this agreement, this legalistic framework. And God's not talking about that either. Jesus isn't talking about that in relationship with God and each other. He's not talking about, oh, I'm in relationship with the people in my local church because uh, they are contractually obliged to make my life better. Hello? That's not why you're here, is it? Oh, that's good to hear you're not. That's not what love is. That's not the kind of love that Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is talking about a covenant. That, that, that love word there that he's using is a covenantal word. It's a relational word. It's a word of, I'm, I'm, I'm not in this because I need you. It's because I love you. And my hope is that in freedom you would reciprocate your love in kind to me. And there's incredible liberty and freedom in all of that. And trust. There we go, we'll go back to trust again. I hope they'll, I hope they'll love me there at Pine River's Vineyard. I've tried a few places over the years. I hope they'll love me. Gee, I hope mum and dad, I, I, if I can just behave like this, I hope they'll love me. It's not about materialism. It's not about legalism. It's about covenant. And covenant says, the Father has said through Jesus Christ, there is grace and mercy once and for all in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Paul uses that beautiful language, doesn't he, where he says, it's a gift from God. It's a gift. We're living in this relationship with Jesus. It's a gift from God where this covenant love impacts the way we use our money. This covenant relationship impacts the way we choose to engage with each other, take time for each other. This covenant love says, I don't know what to do and how to respond, but I'm going to trust God in this space and we walk with each other. Living alive to God is one of covenant love. Jesus says it in that scripture, that's my command, love like that. Alive to God, living alive to God brings us into a fruitful experience of increase in our life, increase of the fruit of love. And lastly, I just want to this morning whoop, touch on Living alive to God is about the greater glory of God. Perhaps one of the greatest, <laughs> I don't know what it was like for you, but for, one of the, for me, one of the greatest realities of entering into a relationship with Jesus Christ was I could get over the obsession I had with myself. Thank God. Thank God. 
Now the the enemy and people, broken people around me, and the fle- my flesh at times wants to tell me it's all about me. But the lordship of Jesus, who now lives in me, says, "Kirk, you, you, you have died. You now no longer live. It's me who lives in you." One of the this is one of the most incredible things that the Christian faith offers the world is it says to the world, hey, you can get out of being obsessed with yourself. <laughs> and all that time and anxious energy and thought and money that you spend on making sure appearances are right or we're acceptable on the basis of other frameworks of consumer or contract love, all of that gets washed away in the kindness of God. You see, we're set free to come alive to God and become fully flourishing human beings like Jesus. Jesus, 100% a picture of who you and I are. Completely hungry. Jesus, who lives in us, is completely hungry to bring a greater revelation to each and every one of us of the love of God to us and through us for the world. Um, alive to God in the way that we parent and bring greater glory to God. I was sort of thinking about this this morning, you know, as I was watching even just that little video before about Cambodia. You know, it's like, wow, the greater expanding kingdom glory of God in the earth. It's growing, it's expanding, it's getting bigger and bigger. And at the same time, I was just holding intention the picture of those young people, the young children, the 10-year-olds who were choosing to give their life to Jesus, that, that little person by faith. It's like the, the small, important reality to the big, expansive reality of the kingdom of God in the earth. You've, you've, been, you've been saved to live in that. You've been saved to live in that, both the importance of the small and the big. Of God, not one over the other, but both and. In in the way that we like, you see, if we generationally invest down into the generations, that's when we see the expanse of the kingdom into the earth. It's a both and reality. You stop investing in your children. You stop investing in the ones that God sends here to be loved and equipped and discipled. These little ones from the day they're born, we stop investing in that. And then, we, and then what we do is we, we actually put a roadblock to their flourishing, to the life and the expanse of the kingdom of God and their purposes. If we stop investing in our children, if we stop giving to them that generational story of this is what I've learned of God, don't expect them to find their place in the world. But if we do invest in them, if we do continue to say, man, you know what? I just don't get these kids half the time. And half the time, I just don't know what to say. But if we will trust God in that space, he will help us and grace us to be able to love and care and equip and resource those kids so they will find their place in the purposes of God in the earth. And the earth will be changed for the greater glory of God. Pine River's Vineyard, this is, this is a calling of God on us. Investing down into the generations for the sake of the world. 
for the sake of the world, in the way we parent, in the way we choose to look at a child that might ruffle us a little bit by the way they behave. Come on, let's get over ourselves and let's live in the glory of God. Corey's a high school teacher. He lives in the front line of this every day of the week. If you want to know how to do that more, get that guy to lay his hands on you. Actually, who are the educators in this room? Can I get all of the school educators just to stand up in this room? And chaplains, you're on the front line. Where are all the school educators? These people are working every day of the week, investing down into the generations for the sake of the kingdom of God in the earth. Can you just reach to them right now as you're around them and put your hands on them? Just don't distance yourself. Get your hands right on there and bless the callings of God on them. This, this is the way of the kingdom down into the generations for the sake of the greater glory of God in the world. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our educators. We thank you for our teachers that are among us here at Pine Rivers. And we, we, in, in, we just include in all of that our, our children's ministry team as well. We think of Alyssa, God, and all of the team that serve in Little Jive, Jive and Jive Up, and the youth ministry team as it's unfolding, and our young adults as that thing's starting to flourish. We esteem all of these people, Father, to you. And we ask for another fresh filling of the power of your spirit to encourage them, to fill them and give them vision of participating with you, God, and what you're doing in seeing young lives come alive. Come alive to you, God, and to their place in the world as a gift from you, God, and and for the greater glory of your name, Father. It's your will, Lord, that they would bear much fruit, fruit, much fruit, fruit that will last. And we just, in the name of Jesus, we just cut you free. Each and every one of you, we cut you free from the assignments of the enemy that have sought to rob you of a good crop. And we we set you free from those assignments in this season. And we bless you to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to, to follow hard after the heart of the God into these relationships that you have with these young people in the course of a week. We bless you. We esteem you to God. It's the best thing we could do. It's the, it's the most honouring thing we could, we could ever do is to lift someone before God and say, God, them, put your spirit on them, please. And so we do that right now for you. We esteem you to God. We esteem you to God and say, God, fill them, bless them, inspire them, encourage them as they bless down into the generations. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Who here in this room, uh, uh, it is to the Father's glory that you bear much fruit, living alive to God. Um, let's. I think I think that's probably about it. Trust, abiding, and the greater glory of God. Trust, abiding, and the greater glory of God. 
This morning, we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit into those three spaces, those three conversations that God's having with us about living a life that is alive to God. And if you're tired of living in a sin management program (laughs) or you're tired of trying to um, maintain control over your life, and you would like to completely relinquish that to the loving kindness of God and step into the story of Jesus for your life, today's a good day for you to have that conversation with God. Let's stand and pray. Heavenly Father, just thank you for your love for us in Jesus and for those of us in the room right now who actually may be like just trying to assess their relationship with you God like am I even actually in a relationship with you let's just clarify that right now so there's no confusion so just in the stillness of your heart Lord Jesus I just acknowledge it that you are the Son of God. And I I just want to say thank you for dying for me. Thank you for breaking the power of death and rising again to give me a gift of living life in the kingdom of God. And I just want to say thank you, God, and I welcome you to be my king. I thank you that my sin has been forgiven and washed away and that you fill me now with your Holy Spirit and I'm made new. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. If that's, if that's you, if you've just had that conversation this morning with the Lord, I invite you to please make sure you either come and see me or whoever brought you this morning. But now let's pray about these areas of trust, abiding, and the greater glory of God. Um, why don't we do it like this? I feel like just for the sake of administration, um, trust is over here. This is... This is the pool over here where the Holy Spirit wants to meet with people who want to move into that greater space of relinquished life unto the goodness of of the Father, of God as King. If you want to come into that space of more trust, just come come down over here. Okay, you don't have to wait. You can come. Just keep come now. Trust, abiding here, abiding into Jesus. Abiding into Jesus is is here. Like, I want to know you more. I want to know the new me in you. And I want to be like you to the world. Just come on down into this middle space over here. Trust over there. Abiding over here. Greater glory of God in the earth. Greater glory of God in the earth. There's a conversation where God's imparting vision to you to participate with him for the greater glory of God through your life. Now, whatever sphere that's in, relationships, family, workplace, whatever, this is the space for you over here, the greater 
glory of God is the conversation over here. Alrighty. So, Heavenly Father, just for those of you who have come out the front, just just take the position. <laughs> God's going to come touch you. <laughs> take the position. Father, I just thank you for the conversation that you're having with each and every person here right now in those three spheres, those three theatres of conversation, trust, abiding, and the greater glory of God. Come, Holy Spirit. Would you come now? Would you come and touch? Come and fill? Come and bring the kingdom. Come, Holy Spirit.